0: Thank you. Welcome to the off week content for the Gimme the Loot podcast, the Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition actual play podcast that's streaming now. The audio this week is from our premiere episode of Guest Quest, a series we'll be doing once a month where we sit down with somebody from the tabletop role-playing community or somebody whose work is inspired by their time playing tabletop role-playing games to talk a little bit about their history and what they're currently doing. As a reminder, with all our off-week content, this is the rebroadcast of a streaming show, so it's not edited. Audio quality will be a little bit different. You'll hear a few more chair squeaks, a few more pauses, and a few more clicks. But we still think you'll enjoy it. To catch the content when we go live, be sure to follow us on social media at GMDLCast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, but mostly Twitter. And be sure to check out the show notes for links to our guest's content, And be sure to show them some support as appreciation for coming on and spending some time with us. And hey, while you're showing support, you can always head over to whichever podcast platform provides you with your entertainment to rate, review, and subscribe to help make our show a little bit more visible. Or even head on over to patreon.com forward slash gmdlcast to support the show, have access to the VOD from our streaming episodes, because there are a couple we won't actually be rebroadcasting the audio from. Plus, there's some other really cool stuff you get over there. And just finally, a reminder, Gimme the Loot and all its associated content is not family-friendly content due to a mix of profanity, crude humor, and the occasional gore. As always, we absolutely appreciate you making time for us and your support. And on that note, let's hop on over to the rebroadcast. Of the show, hey gang! It's uh, Turner here with the Give Me the Loot podcast in the premiere episode of our guest quest show. Uh, So, as you know, we switched to a new streaming schedule uh, this month, and we're running through a couple of different rounds of content. And the fourth week of the month, we'll always be taking the opportunity to uh, speak with somebody who is either from the tabletop role playing community or from the uh, from uh, engaged in an activity. uh, uh, that was heavily influenced by their time playing uh, tabletop role-playing games. For our very first episode, we're going to be speaking with Christian Stokes. Christian was the very first of two guests we've had on the podcast. Uh, the other one, Bob, has been extremely patient because his episode has still not aired almost a year later because I uh, did not learn to not put heavy spoiler plot lines into third-party guest episodes. But uh, Christian came on and starred in episode OX, and I'll explain what the heck that is, uh, Uh, As Fromwick Fent, uh, a gnomish investigator extraordinaire, Uh, Christian is an actor and stuntman and stunt coordinator who's worked in the industry for over 26 years. His credits include Leverage, Doom Patrol, Nashville, Chase, Alias, Monster. And this October, he'll be coming to the big screens in a movie called Help Me Out, Christian, Demigod. Demigod. There Demigod. we go. I had it written down and everything. Uh, he's been in dozens, of, uh, tons of more stuff. Um, he has appeared in major live stunt shows from theme parks to directing performances for the Marvel Universe European live stunt show tour. He also performed in HBO's Game of Thrones Bleed for the Throne experience and HBO's Westworld interactive experience right here at South by Southwest. Um, he's done live stunt shows all around the world as well as having been a stunt coordinator on a number of of major network television shows, films, commercials, and more. Christian, welcome.
1: Hey, man. Thank you. Um, look, this is, this is where it all started. D&D, <laughs> man. If it, weren't, if it weren't for Dungeons & Dragons, I wouldn't have done it, any of that stuff.
0: <laughs> well, real quick, let's go around the horn and get uh, talk about who else is here with us today. Guys from the Party of Five, say Hello.
1: Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no. no no okay
0: no it's his first time it's okay it's a you know every every new show is like moyle's first show andrew as <laughs> moyle mossberg
1: oh wait <laughs> jamie uh, who plays Eldrin thaneros on the uh give me the loot podcast frequent slayer of intros just maybe not this one <laughs> and i am anthony who plays baba
0: Cool. We got that. Throw that up there. Throw, so uh, you guys can find Christian at uh, at Stoker Ace on Twitter. Christian, is there any other social media that you want to throw out there real quick before we kind of jump into it?
1: Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I do a lot of stuff on Facebook. Uh, my Instagram at Stokey Baby is a good one. As well,
0: cool, cool, cool. and we will uh, throw some links up for that on our other socials as well. So, um, real quick, man, let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's talk about your history with tabletop role playing games. Um, how long have you been playing TTRPGs,
1: man? I've been playing. I've been playing specifically Dungeons and Dragons since 1982. So, uh, I I was a kid, man, and my mom and dad divorced, and my mother moved to Dallas. And so I'm meeting all these new people in my life. And and uh this dude had a room dedicated to the monster manual, the original Yeah. uh, hard print monster manual where you had the Hobgoblin chain armor. He had all this stuff made up, man. It was so awesome. Oh wow. And uh I was so I was I was in, I was in, and I've been playing D D since then, 1982, the original red box.
0: Yeah, the um that is uh that's kind of where I dipped my hands into it too. And yeah, the, the dungeon, the dungeon master, the original dungeon master guy. I think had a fire giant on it. But yeah, that yeah, original yeah. that original monster manual was uh was pretty intense. <laughs> so, uh and so D and D was the first TTRPG that you played. Um, that was uh, I think that kind of takes my next question. Um, and that actually answers how you started D and D. What other have you played? Really messed with any other systems, or has it really just been all D and D all the time?
1: Oh, I played I played all kinds of stuff. I had a but a group of guys. As we grew up with that. We were always playing uh games. I I I dozens, I played dozens of games. Uh, Star Frontiers, which was a TSR game. That yeah, I remember Star I, Frontiers. I did Star Frontiers, Villains and vigilantes Um, at Marvel Superheroes, played the heck out of some Marvel Superheroes. Um uh, let's see, there was Starfleet Battles. I played that. Uh, Twilight 2000, uh Vampire the Masquerade, and I guess most recently Pathfinders. So, yeah. yeah, I just have
0: started dipping into the Pathfinder realm. I picked up the Starfinder, uh, they had the Starfinder starter box on a Humble bundle recently, and I grabbed that. And it's definitely a lot more rules yeah. than
1: the well, current fifth edition. It's it's three five, you know, I mean, it's it's and it, get, it got crunchier and crunchier. And, and now they've done a, a second edition with Pathfinder that I, yeah. you know, I haven't really dipped into because at that point, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm dipped back into D&D 5e. And I'm like, let's just let's just hang with one system for the time being.
0: Yeah, it's you know, and it's, uh, it's not knocking it. It's definitely a cool system. I um I've always been kind of fascinated by sci-fi games because I've pl- I've played riffs. I've played uh, a couple of different sci-fi games, and they've just always seemed a little bit trickier to me sure. to to DM and to and to play, um, just because. I don't know if it's the the ship to ship combat or if the nature of some of the systems. Like one of our one of our big patron supporters is a big shadow run guy. Oh wow! And the wow. the challenge for me was always uh, that's Lee. Uh, if I don't, don't know if you're watching Lee or not but um sh- the challenge for me with Shadowrun is there's always that portion where the net the guy the the hackers have to go into the virtual world and it's like okay you've engineered a setting where we have to split the party at some point uh, and with um we recently I recently played in a, a campaign based on the Expanse um which was you know which is big on ship to ship combat sure. and it's like I, okay I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out in the cargo hold while the everybody else who knows how to actually fly the ship does their stuff. So it was. I think there's some unique challenges with uh, with once you kind of get out of that. not 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 that I I love the I love superhero fantasy role playing games. I mean superhero RPGs. Um, for some reason, I haven't run into the same issues as some of some of the, the sci fi ones. Yeah. Um, so uh, you uh, you've obviously done a lot of work, um, kind of in the fantasy oh, and, yeah. and and horror genre. What fantasy movies or TV shows are you currently watching?
1: Well, obviously Game of Thrones is big for me. I, I, I watched the Game of Thrones. I watched all of the you know Lord of the Rings stuff. I I thought that was incredible. Some of the stuff that they brought to the to the screen. Um, I I've been watching The Witcher. I've enjoyed The yes, Witcher. That yes, was a really. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to the new season of The Witcher. Um, what was the, the modern, uh, the modern D and D, uh, bright. I really enjoyed that movie oh, yeah. as a modern D and D, uh, uh, offering. Um, yeah. So those are the main things I, I end up, I do a lot of streaming based on what I'm auditioning for. So yeah. I don't get to watch as much as I want to watch, Right. but, uh, the Witcher is the one I'm really excited about seeing come for the second season.
0: Yeah, man, I thought I thought The Witcher was great. I just I watched like the first 15 minutes. There's a uh, anime movie um, yeah. that uh, that just hit Netflix that I haven't. I, like I said, I've just dipped into the first 15 minutes of it. It reminded me a lot of their uh, Castlevania show that's been on Netflix recently, which is also superb, despite the issues with Warren Ellis that have come out. Cool. Um, the um, but yeah, man, it's it's tough once you start uh, you, that that you think you're you're gonna have more time for that stuff as you as you get older. But it just you you yeah, find you'd be surprised how much that time shrinks actually a little bit.
1: It's crazy (laughs) because, you know, now there's so much content there. I mean, there used to be three networks and PBS, right. And then HBO and then Showtime. And now we've got all these streaming channels, man. I can't keep up with the amount of content coming out.
0: And it's it's weird because fantasy had a really strong I think cinematic cycle towards the late seventies pre Star Wars. I mean you had yeah. obviously Excalibur which was fantastic, um, and even I think maybe even early eighties because you have Lady Hawk, you have Willow in there, Beastmaster, you have the Beastmaster. <laughs> you got the Conan movies, and then man, it just hits a wall, and I think yeah. pretty much goes away until Lord of the Rings brings it back. You're right. Um, I uh, I am not, I haven't watched any g- guys. Uh, rest of the podcast, are you? Have you guys watched? Who, who's watching Game of Thrones? or has watched game of thrones
1: i've seen all of it i haven't seen uh, a single episode i read (laughs) all the books and i watched the whole show yeah i am (laughs) different (laughs) yes
0: i (laughs) I am one of those jerks that went hey you know what i'm not going to watch the show until he finishes the books
1: Um, (sighs) exactly
0: exactly and honestly man that my favorite um my favorites. Now I take that back. To where where I might break on that is there. I guess they're adapting the Dunkin' Egg yeah. uh, uh, storyline, and those were my favorite stories out of the bunch um, because they're smaller scale and more contained, and he still has kind of control than that narrative, or as opposed to the main storyline, it's just completely gotten away from him. Um, I would bite the bullet and probably watch those if it was cast and and done well so um what other, other than um other than uh, the witcher and game of thrones is there are, are you listening to any podcasts is there any other ttrpg con- or or fantasy or sci-fi content that you're really digging into right now
1: well you know that i'm listening besides and i you know i got the guys here so i i gotta say guys you <laughs> entertain the hell out of me i love- laugh I'm, I, I take you to the gym with me because that's the only way I can get through the hell that is going to the gym. And <laughs> <laughs> I laugh, and, and you know the hot chicks next to me—they're working out. They're looking at me like, "What is that dude laughing at?" But it's you guys. It's it's mostly Todd, to be honest. But yeah, Todd the Tiefling. It's a shame.
0: It's it's a shame he's not here to get that. Well, validation. That's even better because we can talk
1: all kinds of smack about him. Mm-hmm. exactly
0: exactly there's there's no Todd like Todd who's when we're, when we're busting his balls yeah uh, um, the ninja so, ninja moves
1: coming Todd
0: so so obviously there's a pretty straight line between role-playing and acting right I, I mean and I, and I think this is something that uh, we dipped into a little bit when we did our DD playstyle episode where we talked about look you don't have to be an actor to play role-playing games right. but it i'm sure it doesn't hurt um and as somebody who does that for a living what i, I guess my question is it what, which is it a chicken or the egg kind where you did role-playing games kind of spark the acting bug in you or did your acting experience make role-playing games a little bit richer for you
1: well I, listen i i didn't i never knew that i was gonna be an actor i was actually going to school to be a doctor and yeah. uh, well, my parents were not happy with my choices, but <laughs> but the truth the truth is is that what what got me into the whole acting thing is the role playing. Role playing yeah. it's improv, man. We're we're yep. improv in a sandbox and we're creating stories. And storytelling, I've always loved a good story. I don't care if I read it in a book or if I see it on TV or if I create it around the the tabletop role playing uh, game. It's about the story. And nothing was that immersive uh, nature of telling stories through uh, Dungeons and Dragons is really I think I think that's the seed where I was like, wow, I really like to perform. I like this. You know, I like the storytelling stuff. And it led to I can I can tell you it absolutely led to the acting D and D created a monster <laughs> uh, literally, literally i
0: think yeah. in, the, in the movie that you've got coming up uh with with demigod yeah. um and uh I, do, do, is there a trailer out for that yeah, I know
1: today and i actually oh, just fantastic. put it on my facebook i just put it out.
0: cool we will we will get some links out to that on our socials as
1: well and um interesting enough the uh the main actress is rachel nichols who was uh, the the main actress in the new Conan the Barbarian with our boy Jason Momoa? So, oh no kidding! Yeah, yeah. No so kidding. I did yeah. not know that until I was watching Conan. And it,
0: oh my god, it's Rachel. Is that the gal from Continuum? Or yeah, is I believe
1: so. She's yeah, done a lot of work. She's done a lot yeah, of work. Because
0: I I love Continuum. It um it was a Canadian time travel cop kind of show that um, like a lot of Canadian sci-fi does really great the first and second season. <laughs> kind of meanders the third and fourth, but right. they it it's one of the few time travel shows that just nails the hell out of the ending. And it is Kind of brutal, but they, you know, they they stick the, the landing on that one, I think, I think pretty well. So then, then you do, you teach acting classes. Yes. I know you, I've actually seen you post workshops and stuff. Um, so I are they, you got any characterization like so let's say somebody's coming to a table they've they or or for the first time and they they want to really give role playing a shot or um, there's somebody who's been playing for a really long time and they want to try and and take it from a tactical perspective to a little bit more of a, a role playing perspective is there are, are there any characterization tips or anything any, like right up from that from that acting so i guess there is there a a shorthand they can use to make a character memorable or to make them uh, kind of stand out a little? Bit?
1: I, I, th- there is for me, I, I tend to find my character's voice first. I want to find that character's voice because once I, I find his voice, I kind of, I, I kind of step inside him for a moment. And, uh, um, the, uh, I like to find a catchphrase too. Like, oh, wow, that's a good one. Find a little catchphrase that I use of this, 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 you know, this, you know, I know, you know this, I know this, this, you know. And so that was Fromwick's catchphrase. And uh, I found, of course, I found his voice and they sounded uh, uh, very Yiddish. (laughs) But, you know, being a gnome, I wanted to do something different. Um, And then if you have if you're having issues finding your voice, find a template. Uh, If if there's a character that that you like and that you that inspires your character, use uh, a template um Mm. like if you want to be a barbarian that's the terminator of course you could play a barbarian like this and you get down if you want to leave because i'm going to hack his head off you know uh, instant (laughs) characterization by finding a template
0: yeah there's definitely those archetypes that you're absolutely right that you can kind of lean into a little bit and and i don't think you know i don't think and that's—I think—that's the cool thing about it. Definitely a good table. They're not going to give you a hard time about that. And if anything, leaning into those, those kind of broader strokes, uh, people will immediately get what you're going for. But I love the—I love the tip of come up with a catchphrase. I think that is a great way to get a hook into a character. Um, Lord knows, Eldrin has majestic as shit. <laughs> uh, uh, Moyle has roll for girth. Um, Todd, I'm the Todd, the motherfucker tiefling. Uh, Baba what the, give me give me a catchphrase for baba anthony fate is run away or not the fate fate is not the face i think not the face is is a pretty good one for
1: <laughs> something along the lines of i'm done with y'all shit i don't know <laughs> 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 no. uh,
0: I, i'm over this i'm okay. over this <laughs> yeah maybe in <maybe> <laughs>
1: baba's arc he'll, 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 he'll find his uh his his catchphrase
0: yeah, so we uh, we we are barreling down on the play session side of things and on the release side of things for the end of Moyle's quest for his stabilizing shard. And next up in that journey, uh, I think we've established is, is Baba. So there's going to be a trip to uh, to Sama, which is our story analog for uh, for South America. Um, so if like you know, obviously there's stage fright. People yeah. get afraid of going out on stage. I've I've actually done two real auditions in my entire life um, back when they debuted like the Austin Music Network or whatever um, and that that is one of the most intimidating experiences in your in my life like I walk in the lights are shining down like a, the baleful eye of God like you can't really see the people at the table you know, you've, been li- you've been in line with 30 people uh, and they, you know you walk in you can still like they, they, it's not like you're going into a room it's on stage in front of everybody else um And definitely the the stage fright and the nerves kick in in those situations. But that's, I mean, that's an extreme, obviously, but it's tough to put yourself out there sometimes. And, you know, even with a group of friends, especially with a group of strangers, it can be tough to kind of do some of you know to come up with a voice or feel like you want to put yourself out there are there any tips for somebody who might ha- be feeling those butterflies or those kind of stage fright nerves going into the group is there anything that you coach people on before going into an audition like hey this is how hey, you kind of center yourself you calm yourself down and that would be a tool they could use before hitting the table
1: sure well i, I mean all, at the end of the day you know i always explain to people that we're we're our worst critic you know Yeah. like we're going to be more concerned about the, the messing up than anybody else. So um, when it comes particularly to role-playing and it comes to, you know, creating character, I might, I say, go for it. I say just be yeah. out there because you can always pull back. You can always adjust, but the hardest part is the start. So, oh, yeah. you know, if you have a character idea, like I, you know, I would go out and I'd play in some of these game store, uh, uh, Pathfinder uh, sessions, adventure league for D and D, that kind of stuff. And man, I'm a role player. I love to role play. And some of these guys, they're they're power gamers. Some of these guys are min max guys. And of course, I come to the table with this guy who looks like this all the time, and he's like, and people are looking at me like, who the hell is that guy? And you know, they don't know. They don't know if this is right. what I really sound like or not. So they don't say anything to me, and I just do my bit, you know. And I just throw it out there, and by the time it's over, we're all laughing about my corn dog nonsense. <laughs> but hey, that's man, part of my fun, you know. Exactly.
0: As long as you're having fun with it and and it's not disrupting anybody else, go by, by all means, swing for the fences. You know? and that's I got. I cannot remember which podcast it was, but somebody was talking about like, look, if you want to do a character voice, just start doing it when you go and run errands. Yeah, like sure. no, the the lady at the gas station, it, unless it's the same gas station you go to every <laughs> single time, she doesn't know what you sound like. So you know if. If, if I want to practice my Ognum voice, I drive across town, I run errands and I'm, I'm Ognum for all that. I need to be doing that because yeah. it's been, it feels like it's been six months since we've talked to Ognum and I'm going to have to remember how to, to do his voice again. It's just uh, like when I
1: say, when you're memorizing lines uh, for a gig, I, you know, you memorize lines, you want to get the, the lines in you. So you want to get the, the accent, the catchphrase in you. So I say, when you're tying your shoes, run, run your character. When yeah. you're, when you're cooking over the kitchen, run your character. When you're doing anything, that you can just kind of seek into it to make it natural. It's, you know, you want it to fit like a second skin if possible, so you just kind of fall into it every chance you get. Uh, my girlfriend hates role-playing aspects. Of it. Yeah. Hates it. She, she's like, combat, yes, role-playing, quiet. I, can't, I don't hear her for, for hours. I'm like, uh, and her character's named Delinda, I'm like, is Delinda there? And, yeah, I'm here. What is she doing? Going to sleep. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Because laughs>
0: hates that. How did she do in her competition? I know she was just out in Vegas doing. Yeah, she meddled. Uh,
1: she, she first, second and two fourth places. So she kicked nice. a little butt and took a little name.
0: Nice, man. Yeah. Yes, uh, Christian's uh, Christians. lady does um, some professional uh, body. Uh, body Is bodybuilding the correct term? Yeah, uh, bodybuilding. Yeah. She's,
1: uh, she's like a fitness model. Uh, uh, she does uh, the bikini categories. <laughs> it's funny. You look at her, you look at me. I'm obviously not a billboard. She's a pro- personal trainer. I'm obviously not a billboard for her personal training. I like my cheeseburgers, by God. And, uh, but you know what? She's really cool about like, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. And her thing happens to be, you know, looking pretty badass and, you know, pff, walking up and owning a stage like a, like she was carved out of marble. She's amazing. <laughs> well,
0: let's talk about the physical side for a second, because you've done a, a lot of stunt work. Yes, um, you've done a lot of st- stunt coordination. Um, what are some examples of the different types of hand-to-hand combat you've you've done as a stage actor as, and as a stunt performer?
1: Well, one of the coolest things that ha- that literally ties into the, the sort of the fantasy realm. Um, I did this thing in South by Southwest called uh, the Game of Thrones, Bleed for the Throne, and it was uh, an HBO activation. It was a pre- Promotion that was uh, trying to gain interest for that final season of Game of Thrones there at South by Southwest, and we built uh, Winterfell, and so uh, everybody there was there was the the Unsullied was there, there were the the Northmen were there, uh, you know, just all these different soldiers from the realm preparing to fight the White Walkers, and so we were all getting prepared to fight the White Walkers, and they would invite thousands of of fans to come in there and it was a completely immersive experience. It was like playing, it was like warping and DD, all that wrapped in one with uh, uh with Game of Thrones. My character was the captain of the guard and I was oh, nice. training the fighters. I was giving them various sword techniques, preparing for the battle. And as people would come in, I would teach them a basic uh, a basic fight um sequence. And they would fight one of my stunt guys to prepare for the coming of the white walkers. And it was, I had a line wrapped around the corner just to pick up a wooden dowel rod and beat the crap out of somebody. It was amazing. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Uh, That's awesome. So So Um, so what the end is we we can teach Todd how to lark. (laughs) (laughs) Remember,
0: Remember, we have got a 20, uh, 20 patron, uh, Patreon goal that if we get 20 people signed up, uh, Harlan will uh, cosplay and LARP as Todd the Tiefling, and I will accompany him cosplaying and Larping as Echo, uh, his his shape changing sword. So, and we will film it, and we will put it on not just a Patreon feed, but everywhere where Harlan can never deny <laughs> that he's on a D anD D podcast, or, or at that point had LARPed. So, uh, so yeah. So you've done you did yeah the Game of Thrones things, which is obviously awesome. kind of the, kind of the Western. You also did some time as a pirate in yeah. Vegas. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I did.
1: Uh, I worked. In two shows. I did a show in Orlando called it was called Pirates Dinner Adventure. It was what it was medieval times, but pirates,
0: right? That's the one in the that's one in the big, the big skull, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah was a big, yeah. big skull.
1: And and it literally it was a two-hour show, and these pirates had kidnapped a princess, and then you know, one of the one of the pirates fell in love with the princess and rebelled against the captain. It was this huge, you know, um, civil war on a pirate boat, and it was pretty awesome. And so yeah, we did a ton of a ton of uh sword fighting uh we had a lot of hand-to-hand with knives and then one of my characters had a huge uh wooden hammer that that we incorporated into the show so we were we were just with belaying pins we had a great time i mean you can't go wrong with pirates, right
0: wooden hammer moyle you can't go wrong
1: with wooden hammer Uh, i wish i had a bag of wooden hammers you know (laughs) (laughs) that would have made things so much easier in that show (laughs) (laughs) Would have, would have saved the day. Well, so then
0: uh, needless to say uh, obviously you've, you've had some formal stunt and stage training for stage combat. Then, then for, for DMs or players, uh, you know, one of the big things that, uh, that when you get into, con- when you're, when you're playing D and D, one of the things that can kind of make the experience kind of grind down a little bit is when you get into combat, mm-hmm. because it, then it gets very, very turn-based, very procedural. Right. And to mix that up a little bit, the, the descriptions of your actions are what kind of keep everybody in engaged and give you a little bit of opportunity to flex a little bit. Um, We recently changed up. And I think this episode that we just published is the first one where the guys, the cast start doing really the heavy lifting on the narrative descriptions for their actions in combat. Mm -hmm. So not, not saying that they need any help, but for, for all DMs and players out there, what are, what are, obviously when you're on stage, stage combat is not real hand to hand, real hand to hand is is much more boring. What are some of the moves or things that you would exaggerate to make sure that the crowd would see it, or what are some, what are some kind of visual flair elements that you guys would communicate to the crowd that maybe could be incorporated into to descriptive elements of, of a D and D
1: melee? One of the interesting things about uh, stage combat is that obviously in a real fight, you're supposed to move fast. Right. You know, if you don't see it coming, that's that's the best bet. You want to knock somebody out quickly and 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 you know be efficient. Well, that doesn't work for film and and it certainly doesn't work for stage. So depending on, uh, on what you need to do, uh, film, it's gotta be bigger than in real life. And on stage, it's gotta be much bigger than film because you're telegraphing your, your blows to that person in the farthest back of the house, right? right? They have to see the same punch that the person on the front row sees. So you have to really exaggerate it. And one yeah. of the most interesting things that martial artists that make their way into stunt work, we have to really teach them to slow down because they're trained to fight and not fall fight. Right. right. So it takes a, takes a, a little mindset to slow down in combat for D and D. I like to, the exaggeration of the blows. You know, I'm very results driven when I'm, when I'm describing my, my combats, I'm describing, you know, when, so, when, uh, one of my characters, uh, Bjorn, has got his two-handed elven blade, and as he comes over his shoulder and throws it above his head, and he puts his entire shoulder into the to the blow, and I talk about how it cleaves through the the leather armor into the shoulder of his foe, and you can see that he's that the shock in his face as it strikes. So I'm as I'm describing my combat, I'm really about trying to uh, be results driven, so that my characters can get. They get you know, excited about what they're right. doing, you know, uh, it's 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 so more so much more satisfying when you're like when you, you take your mace and you climb upside the bugbear's head and you feel the, the, the skull concave as, it, as he goes crashing <laughs> to the ground. And they're like, whoa, man. Wow. Wow. And so it becomes epic. So I, I like to make the, the fight sequences sound epic because I want them to feel like they're really accomplishing something. So, so
0: go big then. Make big, sure that that, that <laughs> telegraph the results of the actions so that there's no question of, hey, that arrow just blew that owl to pieces. That's it. And when, it's, the, it's the
1: same advice that I give people for live shows. The, 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 the further the audience's way, the bigger you want to make it seem. And when you're doing uh, D&D descriptions, you want to go big. You want to make you want to really reel people into it.
0: Well, cool, man. Yeah, it. Um, you've got um, you've got uh, the uh, the role uh, coming up on when does the when does the Doom Patrol? Do you have any idea? Uh, Doom you?
1: Patrol. So, and and I can't get into my character. My character's was no, six, no, that's cool. Yeah, no, that's cool. But uh, I am in the finale. Oh, cool! cool, cool. Uh, I'm the last couple of episodes of Doom Patrol, and uh, it's it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, I I will say that I play a uh, somewhat well known uh, bad guy. Nice. I, so nice. I, I you, to become super villain for a change.
0: You've yeah, you've you've got a pretty decent uh, I know um uh I said nice right pretty decent had a pretty decent career playing the bad guy or the heavier, the tough. Um, I know uh, you're uh, no ordinary family. Uh, you you play a guy in a cop station that takes a shot. Um, you're uh, you do play an undercover cop in Monster where you arrest Charlize Theron or you're involved in a bust where you take down Charlize Theron. Um, and a, there's a couple of scenes of Christian being the tough that kind of walks through uh, walks through the bar or gets ready to rough somebody up. So I, I, as somebody who's played a lot of uh, of bad guys, what's a tip for crafting as a because you DM uh, a regular group I know I sat in one of your sessions um, where you play with um, with a, a couple of guys from your your past of your acting career, a couple of guys from from our, our hometown Athens kind of back
1: yeah. back
0: yeah. in the day. Uh, what are some tips for, having been a bad guy some DMs, what are some tips for crafting a good bad guy as a DM?
1: I I like to make my characters despise my bad guy. I want my bad guy to. I want it to be personal, right? I I, I you know it's it's one thing to to knock off a minion, but it's another thing to knock off a minion that's the half brother <laughs> of of one of the other characters that has been uh, uh, mesmerized. And they're like, well, what do we do? Well, I like to put them in moral dilemmas so that when they have to do something bad. They're like, we're going to kill that guy. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I really want them to to have something. I want them to have skin in the game. So my bad guys, uh, they're pretty brutal. (laughs) I'm working on something now that uh, that I also like to surprise them and come at them from unexpected places. Uh, So I have a uh, a little story plot now that involves uh, children. That's Oof. gonna really, really do some damage to their trust and security moving forward.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh, we've got we've got a killer ventriloquist doll. I think that's the closest thing that we have to a, a killer kid. So we have fire babies. That's true. true. We did have the fi- we did have the fire babies. They yeah, were they um, fire babies. I like you know, those fire babies. <laughs> When I, You know, when I crafted those, the, what came to mind was the, uh, like the little animated baby from Ally McBeal. So in my head, that's what, that's what Eldrin is dropping I arrows into. Definitely the,
1: would have shot that right away. <laughs>
0: the, yeah. The, the Uga Chaka baby from, uh, from Ally McBeal, uh, <laughs> He would, because he was a creepy little dude, and then and burst into flames. So, yeah, it's it's interesting, man. Because we uh, we definitely operate. Uh, Give me the loot. The, the the villains that are starting to materialize there definitely don't fall into the sympathetic villain category uh, whatsoever. Um, even though we do try and stay on on the comedic side of things or the satirical side of things. Um, I know there is a a um, tend to go. Okay, well, you want to identify with the villain. Or you want to you want to uh, you want to be able to understand it from the villain standpoint I'm okay with the villain just being a real douchebag sometimes yeah, yeah. you know what I mean it's okay for the bad guys to be bad um they don't all have to be uh, uh re- relatable so I mean it's you don't want them all to be mustache twirling uh,
1: desperados well, but I, I have to say I loved one of one of your bad guys um and he was unexpected I liked I liked the unexpected twist and he was a, a little bit original based on on an actual character you're Roger the codger oh, okay. Roger the codger yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah Roger, the Roger, Roger the I loved it. I loved that that bad guy. This is one of those bad guys. Like, ooh, good job.
0: <laughs> yeah, Roger came out of the idea that um, the hags as a monster class um, are. It's, you know, it's very much the Western European uh, old lady witch trope. And it's like, okay, let's, let's take that. Let's invert it and into kindly old man, which everybody immediately trusts. Every, nobody thinks they're going to get jacked by the dude in the cardigan. Right. Um, and then let's just go ahead and go all in with it and make him a Mr. Rogers p- uh, pastiche. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was, <laughs> that arc still has left, uh, uh, speaking of Baba, that arc left Mark. up. Uh, uh, <laughs> A, a literal psychic stain on Baba that he is still dealing with, and yeah. is going to very much play into the events yeah. of his arcs going forward. He, he so. killed,
1: killed the lady. Killed the lady. <laughs> hey the 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 codger made me do it yeah (laughs) yeah the the night codger it was
0: roger the night codger yes yeah and (laughs) i think i think hags, um going all the way back to baba yaga have such a deep are so deeply rooted in the lore that it's one thing and especially with what we do in the in the context of of gimme the loot work which is very much about taking tropes and inverting them and then leaning into some tropes inverting others um it's 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 a cool villain that you can do something with. Is a great example of how okay, take the basic monster that everybody expects, and then just give it the mirror image, and you literally can catch people completely off guard and, and do something really cool with it. Absolutely. So. Um, the uh the episode that you got to participate in, so the the narrative structure of the podcast is is targeted around the individual story arcs with a uh with a side quest as directed by Ognum uh in between each arc, because that was the deal the guys worked out for his services. Well, Christian came on, I think it was almost all the way back to episode ten and recorded a side quest for Ognum, and then just with the way that our scheduling worked and the pacing and everything, and it ended up being like, Oh, This is like nine months later when this is actually going to happen in the timeline. So very shortly, we will finally give your episode the actual number that it deserves, which I think will probably end up being like episode 28 or 29. And, yeah, there's going to be some timeline inconsistencies there, guys. But look, a wizard did it we'll magically wave our fingers around some interdimensional or multiversal uh, dissonance and uh, and work our way forward from there but um, it was definitely something that was, was fun to do but also created the situation like if we're going to do one shots with the podcast we're going to do them either as complete side quests or non-canonical kind of interactions. Um, Because Bob, who was very gracious about coming on and has been incredibly patient about his episode getting out there, um, there's just no way for me to put it out until um, we probably, another three or four episodes, honestly, when it comes down to it, because there is such a big kind of background reveal that's associated with who he's playing in that. And it is such a great episode with such a, talking about weird inversion. Cause one of the other things we try and do is, is different genres. I know you've done, I know you've done speaking of genres. I know you've done fantasy. I know you've done horror. Have you done a lot of sci-fi? That was the one thing I didn't see a ton of in your resumes. Like no, you know, real.
1: oddly enough, I, I always play bikers and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, crazy mad men, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, I did in my early, early, early uh, career when i still lived in Texas and I was just getting started, I was an extra on a sci-fi uh, film and I never, I've never seen it, but everybody had like these crystals embedded in their head and they could use like psi powers. And so I actually had this green crystal and I never even knew what, what I got to do with it. So <laughs> I don't have a clue, but that was, that's been my sci-fi uh, experience. Um, you know, like everybody else, I'm trying to get my hands on this Star Wars stuff. There's a lot of Star Wars stuff, and I got a lot of friends that are connected. So I'm hoping something might pan out in the near future, if anybody's well, listening. Oh,
0: hey, man. There's uh, there's also the, the D&D movie just wrapped filming. Yeah. So it sounds it sounds like you might have, but they are doing a and d TV series that's they coming are. up. Amazon's got the Lord of the Ring TV series coming out, and um, there's the Wheel of Time. Series sure. TV series sure. coming out, so we you know we we definitely. While well, I think we we're definitely past the Game of Thrones era, uh, we're moving into a and I think more into a realm of higher, uh, uh, more, uh, less um, brutal high fantasy. I think I think Wheel of Time is definitely a little bit more sanitized than Game of Thrones. It's safe to say. Um, I'm not sure. i mean, Lord of the Rings absolutely is. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call. Uh, wheel time, family friendly. Lord of the Rings, probably yes. Um, and who knows how the D and D show will end up being? I right. would, I would have to imagine they're not going to go completely sideways with it. But um, it sounds like there's going to be a, a, a lot of other, a lot of other opportunities out there in the future. So, real quick, man, we're coming up on time, so uh, I want to just kind of go around uh, the horn and we'll, we'll do kind of our closeout questions. Uh, real quick, guys, you got any, anything you guys want to ask Christian about, either stunt work or the movie business? or uh, role-playing or anything of that nature?
1: Have you ever had to have any of the prosthetics put on you, sit in the chair a long time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's funny because uh, this, when I was, I did this horror movie called Lake Dead and we had these these faces I, I, we look like neanderthals and it's funny because the faces that we used were the geico caveman prosthetics that never got used <laughs> oh for the commercial God. you know everybody <laughs> talks about the halloween mask was william shatner i was wearing yeah. an inverted uh geico caveman uh mask. Oh, that's that's awesome dude
0: <laughs> that's awesome andrew you got anything else
1: um, how I'm, I'm genuinely, gen- genuinely curious how long it took to get those applied on and what sort of techniques you might've used to like, uh, keep calm. I know that Jim Carrey, they had to bring in a, a special forces guy. Cause uh, when he was getting, um, I think it was a Grinch. Yeah. Yeah. I had of, that put on yeah. I've worn the Grinch stuff. I, I did the Grinch for universal studios and I didn't do the, I didn't have the Jim Carrey version and it still took me three and a half hours to get into uh, that makeup. And it was a completely, you know, <laughs> trimmed down version. Um, Were there, there any flaps to um, relieve yourself? Well, yes, yes, there, there was, was that. Put that in, built that in. That, that was that was important. You know, I, you know, the only time I think I've ever had any kind of like take a moment i gotta breathe is when they do the the initial head uh the the bust when they're mm-hmm. they're taking they uh, put my, head in they the head and the in cast the, of it yeah, my, yeah yeah and that one when they cover completely cover and stick the straws up your nose you're like okay i can do this for a few minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, there's,
0: that 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 would be panic attack time show
1: yeah uh, but you know i've done that a couple of times and the first time is i didn't want to tell them because you know you're 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 it's that actor imposter syndrome. Like, man, I don't even know if I should be here in the first place. So I'm certainly not going to say anything about this because I'm going to have my inner panic attack, but they're going to think I'm Superman, man.
0: (laughs) Well, they, you know, and I'm sure that it seems like they're making more of an effort to be more conscious of that stuff on sets. At least that's what you read is there. They are, they're making more of an effort to, have you seen a shift in the, the kind of the general, um, general attention to uh and, and it may just be like they're really the top tier people that but the uh the kind of the self-care or situation like avo- making sure that people are completely comfortable with those situations as they go into them or is that not something that you've seen any impact from or any changes over the well, last couple of well,
1: years and, and you know listen I, I come from a stunt industry as well where safety is like paramount so when i'm involved with the stunt stuff man safety is the first uh, yeah. thing that comes up no matter what we're doing and uh, you know i saw uh it was at dm uh, uh draken about any accidents yeah i've, I've had a few uh, over the years i've never broken a bone but uh, i've got more stitches than a quilt pretty much um but yeah i have seen uh in terms of it depends on the level two of, of the production. I, some productions you have people that are a little bit more actor friendly and they want to make sure that you're, uh, you know, that you're good. And then I've had, I've been on some Indies where man's go, 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 go. And and they're not thinking it's not that they don't want to, you know, make sure that you're doing okay, but they've got a they've got a schedule they got to keep on so they're rushing 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 and um sometimes you'll have to say hey hey i need a second Man. i need to breathe i gotta you know if i don't i, I was doing a uh i think it was a movie called the demented and literally it was 104 degrees and i'm chasing this this group of people across a field around with 30 other people were like these uh you know fast zombies and it was hot man and, and we're running yeah. 100 yards at a time and i literally i had to say hey can we I, these guys need a break we need a break because man killing us with the heat and all that stuff and they're like oh and it wasn't that they were trying to right because that they were you know trying to get the yeah. shot and get moved through but once i brought it to their attention oh yeah sure no worries no worries we'll take a break take a break so
0: yeah it's uh, i can imagine that some of the uh some of the, um location conditions can get pretty tricky sometime. Cause you did, what was the, um, oh shoot. What was the the show that you did where like the, all the electricity had shut down?
1: Um, revolution. Yeah. Revolution. I mean, that
0: was like, where, where did you guys film that? Was that Austin? No, <laughs> no
1: joke. Yeah. It yeah. was in Austin. I, uh, I literally had just moved to Los Angeles uh, from, I was working in, in Texas and Louisiana and I just moved back to Los Angeles for the second time. I was there three months and then I got a call said, Hey, you're going back to Texas. So I went back That's to right Texas back, for it. revolution for another year
0: and you're in it you're in atlanta now working yeah, uh, yeah I, working I, the I, I have
1: uh i'm here in atlanta i teach uh, my acting classes here in atlanta and uh i'm also in new orleans so i bounce back and forth and i just did a bunch of stuff in los angeles um a couple of months ago so i'm i'm pretty actively bouncing between la new orleans and, and atlanta right now
0: cool andrew did you have anything else you wanted to ask about
1: uh not pertaining to movies so i'll let the other guys um Ask uh, so any questions related to movies.
0: Anthony, Jamie.
1: Uh, I had a question. Uh, so have you ever been able to have an opportunity to take a character that you might have created in one of your tabletop game sessions and like use a bit of him uh, in in an acting role? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, all after all these years of, of creating uh, NPCs and characters and stuff, there are times when, you know, there are times I'm like, man, I don't know what direction to go with this character. And so I will start to experiment and I've got my stock, my stock characters that I go to as a DM and so I'll try on the skins of my stock characters and see if they work for, for certain, certain uh, uh, performances. And on more than one occasion, they have. So uh, you, some of my NPCs show up in the form of a, a co-star in, in a couple of TV shows. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome.
0: Awesome, man. Anything else, Jamie?
1: Uh, no, I think we covered most of mine.
0: Anthony, you good?
1: Uh, one quick question. Um, what... Give us a little bit of a description of your favorite, uh, PC, like your favorite character you've ran. There my, you go. I've, I don't know. I've always been an idealist. And so my characters, my favorite character is an idealist. My, my favorite character was a paladin, uh, a name of Aeroth Ravenswing. And, um, his father was assassinated by, a by basically, uh, Unholy blackguards, and so his world was completely torn down. And so he led a group of of terrorists to overcome this uh, evil blackguard government, and it ended in this huge battle. And I'm, I'm 19th level, taking on the the king of the drow and three dragons, and I lived. I couldn't believe I lived, and then. Uh, the evil, the evil god uh, came to face to face with my character and squashed me like a bug. <laughs> and and as upset as I was, that was the conclusion of the campaign. I died a hero's death and I became the constellation. No, oh, you <laughs> can't awesome. that, man. Yeah,
0: that, you can't. You absolutely you can't. cannot. <laughs>
1: That's by far my favorite character I've ever played. Uh, Is
0: so. That what what? Just to agree, what edition was that? One, e two, e three.
1: That was. I think that was three, five. That was a three three five. five.
0: Yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah. It's um, it's interesting. And we're actually, we're going to start getting into that a little bit starting next week when we do our first or back around to DM explaining. And since it's our first one where we've had the opportunity to do the full deep dive, we're going to be doing multi-classing, yeah. which is obviously a uh, a topic which yeah, needs, sure. <laughs> needs a little bit of a deep dive. And one of the things we'll be talking about is the difference across additions between how to multi-class in one E two E three point five and four and five. So uh, the uh, differences between editions are kind of top of mind right now. Well, well, cool, man. Real quick, let me throw it out the chat. Do you guys have any questions you want to ask Christian before we wrap this sucker up?
1: I do have. I have one other question. Is when you started uh, D and Ding, was there ever a rival gang that you're like, I'm not gonna ever go to their group and uh, role play with them or anything like that. And, I, and that goes for the rest of you too. <laughs> when, when I started uh, it was literally, it was my mom's boyfriend and, and his uh, uh, renaissance fair friends. So um, I was, I think I belonged to them. I was like their property. They wouldn't share me with the, any other group. So I, I didn't know there was another group until I went home and started my own. And, uh, And it's funny because I played with the same bunch of guys, mostly through through high school. And then I kind of became a and d whore. So I was like hooking up with every D&D group. Like I was like I was like, you know, DM swinging. So uh, <laughs> it was pretty awesome and living I, the lifestyle. Turner, Turner, and I met swinging on a swinging on a campaign and back in Temp- the old hometown back in nineteen eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Yeah,
0: uh, Temple of Elemental Evil, oh, eighty-nine. Really? I think yeah, it was eighty-nine, ninety. Um, so damn near
1: everybody died or at least was mutilated. So it was a good. Day. Yeah,
0: no, it did not end well. Yeah, <laughs> zero level characters. Uh, if you think it's tough playing first level, there was a zero level mechanic, um, which I think was. was was a really kind of uh, of cool concept, and I've actually toyed with, um, you know, as we, you know, I know it's crazy to considering how much how many many more miles we've got to go with uh with gimme delude um there is an over there is an ending point i'm like uh, and i'm spinning uh, there's something in my head like you know it'd be really cool to do like a true zero level character experience in in a kind of a narrative form format on a podcast so
1: you know it's funny because back in at that time when we were when we were playing that game the the whole result of that zero level character was we hadn't yet chosen our classes Mm -hmm. and so you could lean whichever direction you wanted to go to and become that class so it, it was it was an interesting experiment
0: Yeah, it was it was a cool concept that you, through crafting your character's backstory, you would actually come up with the the implementation of the game mechanic that pushed you in that in that direction, and um, it especially worked because we were playing all the like a a group a group of people from the same little village, um, and we all had initial kind of leanings. Like I think my guy was was prepped to either be a cleric or a ranger or even potentially druid. I think there were some there were some elements that they could kind of pick and go one way or the other with but i think it's i think it's a really cool idea that you could take that kind of initial narrative structure and, and it, it very much has to be a um you know almost a work you know hey we, we're running away from home and these are the different classes that we stumble into I, I i think it's got some i think it's got some real narrative potential and i think it's something that could be really cool to do in a, in a podcast format at some point down the road so well, well cool guys cast you guys got anything else for christian
1: no, Christian. You, you, I got something yeah. for Anthony. You, you're, you do some acting, don't you? No, not at all. No, one of the guys is One of the guys does some acting. Am I, am I wrong, or am I completely? Have I been into the booze cabinet tonight?
0: The Harlan does. Uh, Harlan does another podcast. Uh, Jamie does another podcast. Uh, Moyle acts up a lot. I think that's, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I think about. that's what it is.
1: Man. No, what I want to party with that Moyle uh, man. I want to party with <laughs> <laughs> that. There you
0: go, dude. I mean, give give us a shout next time you're in ATX, man. Yeah. Uh, most of most of the crew is is in the area in, in the Texas area. Well, Jamie's uh, Jamie's our long, our lone Northman. I'm uh, a <laughs> Walker
1: Texas Ranger right now, so I may be back soon. Right thing. on, right mm-hmm.
0: on, dude. Uh, is I assume playing a, a, a bad guy in what, are you going yeah. to be, you know, we do in our Patreon, in our bonus, uh, we do, uh, we do the supernatural, it's called Hunter's party. We do a supernatural rewatch. So we could <laughs> have a bizarre bubble crossover where one of our characters from, uh, uh, from Gimme the Loot is arrested and beat up by the guy who I have re- referred to as the absolute worst more times than I can count on our uh, Sam's the worst Sam Winchester is the uh, he's, he's the tall lanky one who oh, is yeah. now playing Walker Texas Ranger uh, which Christian is up for well that's cool man. hey Christian I absolutely appreciate you making the time for doing this um, everybody we will get um, links to Christian's IMDB uh, the link to his trailer for Demigod up on all our social media and we'll put that out there Um, it has been fantastic to have you on. We've got, um, we've got some, uh, you know, you're always welcome to, to come back. Uh, next time we do a one shot or or something of that nature, you and I have talked about collaborating on some stuff in the future. And and so we'll kind of keep an eye on how that develops down the road. Um, but, uh, awesome. in I really appreciate it. Thanks everybody for joining us. And as always, hope you enjoyed the show.